Hello, welcome to Aesthetics in Detail. Uh, my name is Paul Lunny. I am the Managing Director of Filler Direct. We're a leading uh, aesthetic wholesale supplier, uh, and I'm very excited to be bringing you this new series of videos looking at some of the more contentious topics in aesthetics in a little bit more detail. And firstly, um, in today's video, we're going to be looking at that really popular question on social media we see all the time, which is, what is the best filler? Before we get started with today's video, don't forget to like this post and like our Facebook page. You can turn on the notifications bell to receive notifications when we post um, more videos and you'll be the first to know and you'll never miss a thing, which is nice. So let's get stuck in and answer this question um, of what is the best filler. And I actually really personally hate this question. Um, I hate it with a bit of a passion because um, the question, what is the best filler, doesn't actually mean anything to anybody. Um, and um, I think it does a great disservice to practitioners when people ask this question in groups and you just see people just throwing brands around left, right and centre without actually asking the kind of questions that need to be asked um, of a practitioner, such as, um, you know, what fillers are you using at the moment? What needles are you using? What's your experience? What age your client? Why are you treating? All these sorts of questions. Um, and um, I think it's really important that as, um, as a whole, wholesaler um, and as a practitioner that we make sure um, we're giving you guys the best information to help you make the best choices. So today we're going to be looking at what the word best actually means um, in your unique set of circumstances um, and also um, your unique experience because um, the best filler for someone who is female, 23, um, never had fillers before and is looking to correct uh, an uneven lip volume is not going to be the same product that you potentially recommend for a client who's um, 45, um, looking to restore lost volume caused by... Um, uh, reduced lip support brought on by low bone density, um, which is a side effect of aging. So in this video, um, we're going to take a quick look at um, how to pick the best filler for you uh, and your clients and the areas that you're going to be treating um, and the outcomes you're looking for. We're going to take a look at things like safety, um, concentration, particle size, um, and whether a filler is uh, monophasic or biphasic so that you can identify all these points when picking a product um, and hopefully make um, the best choice for you. The first thing I'd say to anybody um, when choosing a filler is your first priority has to be safety uh, and ultimately the best filler is the safest one. You should always choose a product that you know can be removed quickly and, and safely should a complication arise. There's lots of great research out there um, but if you are looking at brands reach out to the distributor, um, talk to the manufacturer if you're able to get hold of them um, and get the research that you need um, to know that um, a product can be hydrolyzed quickly in the case of a complication or even an elective process you want to be able to know that you, you can go back and 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 um, remove that filler should you need to do so. As I said, you can always contact your um, supplier and ask for that sort of information if they've got any research um, or clinical studies done um, and your supplier should be able to answer those sort of questions. At Filler Direct, we have lots of information on hand should you need it, um, not just for products that we stock but also products that we don't stock. It's important that we stay up to date for our customers if they're contacting us so it sh you should be able to get the answers to these questions should you need them. The other thing to consider when choosing a product or a filler brand to work with is um, knowing and, and understanding that the fillers will perform differently once injected into the patient. Um, how they sit inside the dermis will vary based on a, a wide range of factors such as tensile strength, um, viscosity, um, volumizing power. And what you really want is a product that you know 
is predictable. That's really important. That if you use it on a similar patient in a similar set of circumstances, that you're going to achieve the same result. That's really important because that predictability in the product um, is going to give you consistency in your results. It's going to give you consistency in, you, in the behavior of the product and your expectations. Um, and it's going to mean that you're um, going to get to know the product really well, how it injects, how it rests, how it sits, how it integrates um, once the swelling's gone down post-treatment. Um, and you're going to know much more quickly if something is wrong because you know it's not behaving how it should be behaving inside that client. One thing I want to say is that um, unless you're treating a client that's never had filler before um, in any circumstances, you're going to be potentially injecting into tissue that has already got hyaluronic acid um, within the actual tissue itself. So especially if you've got long-term relationships with customers, you're planning to have long-term relationships with customers, I hope you are, um, you want to make sure that um, that predictability includes a long-term behavior. Um, knowing how your product will integrate over an extended period of time inside the, the tissue, inside the dermis, um, is going to help you plan for the future and work with your clients um, to achieve uh, long-term goals, especially if you're going to be using a lot of mill over a, a number of sessions. Um, we've seen um, from a number of um, case studies, um, specifically by MRI scans, there's a great video on this, done by the Victorian Cosmetic Institute in Australia. Um, they did some MRI scans that showed that um, clients and patients often had uh, filler present many years after the injection had taken place, sometimes several years after the injection had taken place. So it's a, a bit of a misconception that dermal fillers disappear. That's not the correct word and it's I, I hate I want to I personally want to get away from that concept um, because they don't disappear they integrate inside inside the actual tissue once that initial swelling has gone down the pump has gone down specifically in lips for example once that pump's gone um, and you're losing potentially half of the volume down to the swelling um, and you start to get into the period where the hyaluronic acid is going to start to integrate into the dermis um, you're going to find that um, that filler is going to be there for quite a while, even though you can't potentially see it, it's still there. Um, and that's why understanding long-term behavior of a product and long-term performance is really important. You're gonna be injecting into that tissue again, layering up on top of that filler. Um, and that that long-term behavior should be part of your decision-making process. As I say, especially if you're working with clients over a number of years um, and um, planning for the future. I like to use the um, metaphor um, of butter melting into bread um well toast specifically um i often have phone conversations um with my clients prior to meeting them and um i will also kind of re-outline this on the day especially if they're virgin lips and they've never had fillers before and they don't quite understand the process um but um it's always great to use a metaphor that everybody can relate to because it's easier to understand and, and hopefully this metaphor helps as we um investigate the rest of this video together in this topic but i always say that once that initial pump that swelling's gone which has been caused by the tissue damage from the needle um what we're going to going to see is um the hyaluronic acid integrating into the tissue structure um in a similar way to butter melting on a hot slice of toast the butter hasn't disappeared it's not vanished it's now part of the toast and that's similar to the hyaluronic acid so hopefully that metaphor helps everybody um, kind of picture this process of um, hyaluronic acid integrating into tissue um, over the the first sort of few months of, of being injected so once you've nailed down a safe and predictable product that's going to deliver performance over um, a year 
plus over an extended period of time, um, it's really a case of looking at your client's specific goals and finding a product um, that has the material properties to, to meet those goals and meet those outcomes. You'll always find there's a trade-off when picking dermal fillers um, and there is no universally perfect product. Um, but you'll always find there's a bit of a trade-off generally between fillers that um, can create really defined results uh, and strong definition and fillers that create lots of volume and pad out areas and vice versa. So just keep that in mind when you are looking at different products um, and the area that you're treating that you, you're not going to get the best of both worlds. You need to pick one or a product that leans one way or the other. So with that being said, um, it's important to understand the different types of um, fillers within a brand. Um, and you'll find um, in most cases, they can be broken into sort of five different types of product um, based on the thickness and the volumizing power of the product. And you may find that some brands don't have five types, but you'll find that some of the uh, types will overlap and they'll target more than one area. Um, and you, you can find some brands that have um, more than five types and are sort of sub breaking up these areas to sort of more specific subcategories in terms of um, the material properties of the product. So it's important to kind of make sure you're picking the right product for the right area. So starting with the thickest products, we have fillers that effectively replicate bone, um, such as uh, cheek and jaw. And these are the thickest products and are normally designed um, to resist that constant and persistent muscle contraction um, and pressure from the, the actual muscle system. Um, and um, these will have the these fillers will have the most strength um, they'll have a high level of stiffness um, in the product and they'll provide resistance and strength when squeezed. If we are targeting um, jaw specifically and, and less so with cheek, you really want to fill it with a higher concentration of hyaluronic acid where possible um, to give you that extra thickness, that extra volumizing power, that extra resistance um, and also longevity um, as it resists the um, uh, forces that are applied upon it inside the tissue over, um, over the lifespan of that filler. You then have the next type of filler um, that's going to be a little bit softer um, and it's going to um, replicate fat and fatty pads like my face. Um, the sort of fat you'll find in fatty areas around the cheek um, and here you're going to want a product that's got more volumizing power um, rather than it being stiff. Um, you want a product um, that's got a bit more give uh, but at the same time one that's going to kind of hold up shape um, during the uh, treatment but also just, just initially after um, the injection process. Um, you want a product that's got a good viscoelasticity um, and those sorts of products are going to perform really well um, in these softer sort of tissue areas. You've then got um, fillers that are a little bit more gentle, that are less about large fatty areas and more about creating um, definition and um, more subtle volume. We then have products um, designed to treat surface creases, finer lines, uh, and these are more about um, correcting folds um, and unfolding those lines um, in the upper dermis. And finally, we have um, super hydrating products that only treat um, the uppermost top layer of skin um, and are active in the just the top layer of the dermis. As we've already looked at, there are variables um, when e within each of the five categories of filler. Uh, and what product you um, go for is going to come down to a little bit of personal preference um, and what you're comfortable using. Um, but as a general rule of thumb, um, for chin and jaw and harder areas, um, and depending on the, the, the level of definition you're looking to create, um, you're going to want a filler with the largest particle size in order to give you that volume um, and that stiffness and the larger particles are going to resist the um, the forces that are applied upon them um, just like the concentration the higher the concentration you want a product with higher concentration 
big particle sizes um, for for jaw, and there's lots of great options. And um, for softer tissue areas such as lips, um, you want a filler that um, has smaller particle sizes. It's easier; it's going to be easier to manipulate, um, and it's not going to create um, fluffy fluffy results. It's going to look um, um, uh, crisper basically in that softer tissue area if you look at any good set of lips you'll see um especially on social media they'll get the really really good ones um you'll see that the lips have a crisp vermilion border um a really naturally defined cupid's bow um and um you're going to going to get that from fillers that um, resist the initial force of injection well before then creating and holding definition, a bit like scaffolding inside the lip, um, while also creating sort of defined edges um, once they've been injected. Depending on the area um, you're injecting, um, there is some argument for using um, higher concentrations of hyaluronic acid. Most of the research that we've done uh, and that I've spent hours sort of uh, painting through um, suggests that um, really the only area where you kind of want to focus on this uh, especially is that that jaw area uh, that jawline a uh, bit of cheek and chin um, and we've already gone over sort of resisting um, the forces that were applied upon the filler throughout the muscle um, contraction process over a longer period of time so yeah high concentration concentration of hyaluronic acid is going to do that um, and um, you'll hopefully find from experience a, a stiffer product that's going to give you those sharp lines um, defined edges for an extended period of time one thing i want to just kind of stop uh, and really focus on um, is um, knowing whether a product is biphasic or monophasic and this is probably one of the most overlooked parts of um, dermal fillers it's one of the i guess the least well understood parts of uh, dermal fillers um, and this particular topic is a little bit going um, like down a rabbit hole I have been up till like 4 or 5 a.m in the morning just going through different studies and reports so you can end up sort of going a little bit mad with all the information and trying to kind of process it um, but it is really important that before you inject any brand any product you need to know whether it's a monophasic filler or a biphasic filler finding out that information can be really tricky um, it's not on the back of the box like things like concentration or whether it's a lighter or non-lidocaine product it may be in the leaflet inside the box um, but it isn't always so the best bet is to speak to your supplier um, to um, find out if it is um, a biphasic or monophasic filler and if you've got any doubts or questions you can always contact the manufacturer who will normally give you a pretty quick response um sort of normally so and that information can be found on the back of the packaging um or if you just google it you can often find out the information that you need to kind of get in touch with the manufacturer to find out that information and there are advantages and disadvantages to both mono and biphasic fillers and if you want the sort of brief summary of what we're about to go through because we are going to go down the rabbit hole together um uh, you want the back of the menu version um you can skip forward a few minutes to, to get that but i want to stress um, that the knowledge that we're about to go through um is going to take um your knowledge on fillers to the next level um, and it's the sort of knowledge that's really going to um differentiate you from injectors who don't have this information or haven't potentially um done this kind of research into dermal fillers so um i may might make this bit a bit of a segment but warning we're about to go into detail, okay? Um, you might want to watch this bit slowly, um, pause it multiple times, um, you might want to watch it again, you might want to get a pen and paper because um, we are going to kind of go into detail um, and I don't want to shy away from that because I think it's important that everybody has the right information to help them make the best choices for them. So you can manufacture dermal fillers in two very distinct ways and they create completely different products, even though it's 
hyaluronic acid. It's like Coca-Cola. You've got Pepsi and you've got Coke. It's all Coke, but it's different. Um, and you get the outcome of what is monophasic and biphasic fillers. Um, and um, they the, the, the manufacturing process creates um, two different textures, two different types of product. So you get um, what are effectively smooth monophasic fillers. And then you get grainy or granular biphasic fillers. And if you get them in your fingers, you can actually feel the difference. You can literally feel the difference in the product when you rub it between your fingers. One one feels more like a um, it's like a smooth, squidgy texture. Whereas the um, biphasic, you can literally, it, it clumps up. It kind of comes apart a little bit. You can feel it. So biphasic fillers have hyaluronic acid in two very distinct states. Um, if you can imagine um, a, hate, a hyaluronic acid soup, so to speak, with hyaluronic acid croutons uh, floating in the soup, that's kind of the best metaphor I can come up with. And it's the um, cross-linked croutons. <laughs> so we weird concept, cross-linked croutons. It's the cross-linked croutons in the hyaluronic acid soup that give the filler its volume and its lift. In monophasic fillers, um, the hyaluronic acid is in one complete uniform state, a bit like jelly. And um, although biphasic technology is slightly older um, than, than monophasic, it doesn't necessarily mean it's bad. There are a few circumstances where you might want a biphasic filler, or you might want to use a biphasic filler. Um, but in general, um, you'll find that um, most of the time you're probably going to be using monophasic fillers um, and they're, they're going to be the preferred option for most injectors um, just because they're a little bit more forgiving and they're a little bit easier to work with. And um, in terms of manufacturers, there aren't really that many choices for, for biphasic fillers and there is a reason for that. But um, in terms of European manufacturers, there is pretty much Restylane and that's it. Um, there may be a couple of other smaller manufacturers that make... Um, made biphasic fillers but in terms of kind of brand names that you'll know that are biphasic Restylane's pretty much the only one you're going to come across you'll find that 95 percent of the fillers on the market today are monophasic just because as i say they're easy to work with um and the results are more predictable and it comes down to that predictability um at the expense of of other um, performance indicators, um, predictability and um, predictability over a long period is far more preferential to a filler perhaps having slightly higher volumizing powers. As a rule of thumb, um, monophasic fillers have shown in um, almost every clinical study that their lower molecular weight and high elasticity in terms of their uh, properties, um, they make them easier to apply um, with um, a reduction in product degradation, especially over longer periods of time. Um, and this means that, that the fillers will hold their shape for longer inside the tissue when compared to biphasic fillers. Um, in most clinical studies, you'll see that longevity is actually pretty comparable um, over the first 90 to 100 days. Um, and biphasic fillers do hold their um, their shape and their definition for a slightly longer period of time. But it's that cliff drop that we're, we're looking out for. Um, and whereas monophasic fillers will have a gradual reduction in time, we often see in clinical studies that the biphasic fillers just sort of drop off a bit of a cliff, really, in terms of performance. So it comes down to that predictability again, really. 
Within um, fillers, we talk about things called G and G numbers, and um, these are um, a measure of a filler's viscoelastic characteristics. And yes, that did take quite a few takes to get right, um, but when a filler is injected into the body um, and during the dwell time initially after injection, um, it's subject to different forces, um, things like shear stress, vertical compression, um, and different stretching forces, which can lead to product um, deformation and the actual product deforming um, post-injection. Um, based on the, the force of, of being pushed through the needle. Um, and, and these forces can affect a filler's ability to correct volume loss um, and affect long-term tissue integration. So the newer monophasic fillers tend to have lower G numbers in certain characteristical traits, um, which means they tend to have a slightly softer consistency um, and a higher versatility, which means um, they can be used in a wider number of treatment areas across the face. Although biphasic fillers do give really good volume volume um, and um, especially um, kind of looking at those um, hyaluronic cross-linked hyaluronic croutons we mentioned earlier that are going to give that projection um, over a, a really good initial period of time there's um, kind of a, a universal rule that if you're injecting into softer tissue areas such as um, the lips or naso lines um, or marionette lines um, you're going to want a monophasic filler for those delicate areas um, because you're going to need a higher level of control um, and um, flexibility in those areas. And for specifically for treatments like Russian lips, um, it's really important to make sure the filler stays exactly where it's placed um, for as long as possible um, after that treatment during that dwell time um, and while still giving lift and, and giving volume and um, a monophasic filler is going to give you a better result not just in the short term but over the long term um, because of its uniform shape and its uniform consistency. So when injecting into areas where you want to be doing a lot of contouring um, jaw especially you want in theory a filler that is going to um, rebound to its previous configuration uh, and resist the um, forces, the dynamic injection forces that are being placed upon it during the treatment. Um, as mentioned, we use those G numbers to measure that resistance. Um, and in general, fillers that have higher G numbers um, have a higher um, elasticity um, and therefore a higher resistance to that deformation process um, and ultimately the ability to um, restore tissue volume um, more extensively and, and more um, vigorously than fillers with, that have lower G numbers. G also indicates a product's um, stiffness, its hardness, um, and determines the correct anatomical plane on which a product needs to be injected upon. Um, but with but hyaluronic acid fillers with a higher G um, have to be injected into the deep fatty compartments of the face and preferably um, onto the pre-periosteal plane. So biphasic fillers typically have a higher G and although that does mean they're going to resist the forces placed upon them um, a little bit better um, during the injection process, because of that increased stiffness um, and the, the properties that, that having a high G have in terms of um, uh, hardness, um, they have to be injected um, deeper um, and with a higher skill level to avoid some of the more common complications that can be seen with, with fillers, um, such as Tyndall effect or product migration or superficial placement. So there is a trade-off in terms of that volumizing power. Biphasic fillers also display much lower um, numbers when we look at um, what's called cohesiveness um, and these are the forces that hold a product together and hold hyaluronic acid particles together um, and maintain vertical projection. 
Um, this is where we talk about um, migration in fillers um, and reduced performance in softer tissues such as lips. So that's kind of really important to kind of bear in mind when you are picking a product. Uh, making sure you understand how these two very different types of fillers um, and filler types perform will help you make better product choices. But to summarize, here's the back of the napkin if you've skipped forward a little bit. Um, and to summarize this section, um, and to be honest, I could probably make a whole video out of mono and biphasic fillers because it's such kind of deep topic to go into. Um, but biphasic fillers tend to have a stronger volumizing power greater resistance to um, injection uh, forces and being deformed um, and they have advantages in treating areas such as jaw when you are injecting deeper um, anyway so you're, you're going to mitigate those um, potential um, complication factors um, but the trade-off um, is and um, that they do need to be injected deeper and in terms of product migration are not always best suited for soft tissue areas so Monophasic fillers um, are ideal for treating areas such as lips where that smooth texture, that smooth product um, are going to give you um, better results in the short term and also in that predictability we talked about earlier. Um, based on all the research that I've done, um, the advantages of biphasic fillers and those cross-linked hyaluronic acid croutons um, don't outweigh um, all the other things that you have to take into consideration such as injection depth and um, uh, product placement so bearing you know weighing all that up 90% um, of the time or 99% of the time um, there's really no need not to pick a monophasic filler in my opinion basically and as we talked about earlier if you are looking to get to know products really really well as you're going to be using a monophasic filler 90% of the time anyway, you, you're probably better off um, continuing to use those sorts of fillers and understanding how they perform and getting to know those sorts of products. Bonus tip time, needles. So needles, I cannot stress this enough. Um, the needles make up such a huge difference during your injection process as a practitioner. Um, if you're using the needles that come with fillers, um, actually inside the boxes, a lot of the time um, they're not great and they tend to be on the cheaper end of the spectrum so if you are using the needles that come inside the box i say there is there's a high chance you are using a lower grade or a lower quality needle um, there are a few brands that very few brands that do come with premium needles you find a lot of the european european brands come with um some some good needles and some of um, the korean brands that we sell do as well but if your filler that you're using does not come with an ultra thin walled needle i would strongly advise about um purchasing some uh, and using them with the filler it's going to completely change um, your uh, experience as a practitioner um, you're going to get better placement you're going to reduce the chance of lumps because lumps are caused by a sort of a, a stop start uneven flow in the product um, the hyaluronic acid isn't lumpy so when people say oh the filler is lumpy what you'll probably find is that was actually the needle and an uneven flow caused by potentially the needle bending at the top through multiple injection processes um, so so it's really important to, to, to look to get a, a premium needle on top of that though you are going to get less bruising um, less pain for clients and an all-round um, sort of smoother better experience for your client and you as a practitioner so yeah bonus tip make sure you're using good needles so that's it guys we made it to the end well done um, we're going to wrap up this video with a few key points you want a filler that's safe that's predictable um, that has long-term predictability um, that allows you to treat multiple areas within a brand uh, without you having to change brand um, where possible that has a mid to high concentration of hyaluronic acid um, that is in our opinion in my opinion monophasic just because 
because it outweighs the, the the benefits. The benefits outweigh using multiple different types of, of fillers based on the research. Um, and the bonus tip is make sure you are using a good needle. Um, so don't forget to um, like and share this video if you found it beneficial, if you found the information useful. Um, I would really appreciate it. Um, takes a lot of time. I was up till probably three o'clock in the morning um, researching this topic. So if you do want to share that video, I would really, really appreciate it. Um, and if you found the information useful, um, tag someone, let them know that this kind of information is out there um, for everybody. Um, you can follow my page, this page, um, to make sure you get updates and get more information. Um, and don't forget to check www.filladirect.co.uk um, for a wide range um, of aesthetic products, different fillers. Um, and if you have any questions, feel free to DM me um, um, and I'll be happy to, to answer them as best I can uh, in as much detail as possible. But otherwise, I will look forward to seeing you on the next podcast and the next video. And if you have any ideas for topics, please send me a message as I'm always looking for new ideas. But I will see you all very soon.